Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am fired up, as usual, to bring you another amazing guest. And today, I'm really excited because we're, we're really in our wheelhouse here. We like to get nerdy on the show. I think that's one of the things that sets us apart, this community. We talk about the things that most other people don't talk about that are not considered sexy. We're not talking about getting new clients today. We're talking about project management, making projects run smooth, making them profitable. And that's not the thing that you're going to be you know, talking about at your you know, mastermind group with your other agency owners. You're usually talking about how you got more clients, but I want to talk about how we make more money with them today. And I've got an amazing guest here to help us with that. Armed with an X386 PC and a 33K dial-up modem, Ben launched his first terrible website when he was 14 years old back in the early 90s. And since then, he has been an online entrepreneur. And today, he runs the digitalprojectmanager.com, which is the fastest growing community for digital project managers on the internet. It is a community. It is a training platform. It is a lot of amazing things. So if you're into digital project management, if you have digital project managers on your team, you definitely want to go check out what he's doing there. He has a ton of experience. He's a Prince2 practitioner, certified Scrum Master. He's been a digital PM for more than 15 years. He's worked with amazing clients like Honda, Unilever, Sony. He's worked with huge agencies like Dare, Wonderman, DDB. And he's here today to help us figure out how to make unpredictable projects more predictable and learn the levers that we can pull to make things run smoother in our agency. So with all of that, Mr. Ben Aston, thank you for being with us today. Marcel, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be on the show. Well, I mean, it's just great to have you. I'm glad you reached out. This is one of those things where I get a lot of people reaching out to come on the podcast. And every once in a while, I get an inquiry that's like, yeah, this is this is a no brainer. This makes absolute sense. And you and I were talking before the show. It's like, I don't know how I didn't know about you before, <laughs> because there's just so much alignment here. So I'm just fired up to jump into this. I've given everyone a taste of who you are and what you do. But I'd love to give you a chance in your own words to describe, you know, kind of what you're doing uh, with your community and with digitalprojectmanager.com and what got you into that in the first place. Yeah, so I guess the background story was my I guess, introduction into digital project management was quite a a difficult one. So when I started out, actually, I was an account manager who became a project manager by accident. And in those first few weeks of becoming a digital project manager, uh, when I realized actually this wasn't account management, this was something entirely different. I was suddenly responsible for delivery. I was suddenly responsible for producing estimates, timelines, statements of work, managing and controlling the projects, which I'd never really done before. I just sold them in and just handed them over to a project manager. So I was, I was tricked really into becoming a digital PM. And uh, But then after a while, I figured, hey, actually, this is actually this fits my skills. I've been making websites for years by that point, And now I was just helping other people produce it. So for me, because it was quite a hard uh, introduction, because I had never produced estimates before, I'd never created a statement of work, I didn't really know how to manage the project. I decided 
back in 2011, so 10 years ago now, that I was going to start a blog. I was going to write 100 tips to help other people who were delivering projects, help them do it better, like a bit of a summary of the first my first decade at work. So um, I began that process. And actually, the idea was that it was going to be an ebook, but the ebook never got finished. But what we did do was start this blog, which has now become a platform uh, in which we have a membership community in which we have online training and stacks and stacks of resources. And it's really all about helping people succeed in the world of digital delivery, helping people deliver better. And what we're really excited about is creating and collaborating together on this playbook. And we're trying to build a playbook for digital delivery. How do we deliver better projects? And we've got a forum in which we discuss different things, different topics, talk about things like the things we're talking about today to work out, hey, how do we manage this more effectively? And I think the idea of a playbook and the idea of the community is that there is no one size fits all. So all these things that we're going to talk about today, the answer is always, well, it depends. But what we can do is build this playbook of different plays that we can employ and use in different projects, with different clients, with different teams, in different situations. And here's what I love most about what you're doing with all of this. Like, I feel like digital project management is like product management in a SaaS company, or, you know, it's one of these roles that like nobody went to school being like, I want to, I want to be a digital project manager when I grow up, yeah. you know, like that wasn't the answer that they gave, you know, their parents <laughs> yeah. as a kid when they were asked what they wanted to do when they grew up. And these are really job titles that have kind of emerged in the last few years and higher ed really hasn't even started catching up to this in a large degree. And just like digital marketing when it first started, it was the community teaching each other and just being good stewards of the practice that it like created the thought leadership around this. And this is really what you've done. 10 years ago, you said, I'm doing this thing and I didn't really have access to a lot of resources. I kind of had to figure it out. And you were just, you know, a good Samaritan and you started helping people and you built this great community out of this. And I think your story about kind of falling into project management by accident is true about a lot of project managers. Yeah. They, they just end up being like the organized person at the agency and this falls on their plate. And next thing you know, that's their title. And all of yeah. a sudden they just kind of have to figure out how to do this job because it, you're right. There isn't a well-defined playbook outside of, you know, the traditional project management, which is really rooted in a lot of construction projects and things like that. And it's not always easy to translate that into digital. It's just a different set of circumstances and constraints. So super excited to dig into that and just really happy that people like you exist, man. So with that, <laughs> let's talk about why project management matters so much. Why is it such a critical function inside of a profitable and scalable agency? What I'm pushing for is that this is actually a strategic role. Uh, the role of project management and the value of project management is actually that we can help deliver better, but we can help deliver more value. And at the heart of what I think good digital project management is, is optimizing the value that we're producing. So we're reducing the costs, we're reducing the inputs, uh, we're maximizing the outputs, and we we're using the resources we have as efficiently and as effectively as possible. And everyone knows when you're in an agency, you have limited resources, right? You have your team, you can supplement that with freelancers and you can outsource things. But really what you're trying to do is maximize your throughput and effective digital project management, effective resource management helps us 
deliver more effectively. Firstly, because we're planning better projects and we're planning actually how we can deliver more value early and often. Uh, but we'll also think about, okay, how can we minimize the amount of risk that's carried on this project? Uh, and then how do we make sure that the, the client, the stakeholders are really getting value so that this becomes a sticky relationship, not just a one-off engagement? Yeah. Uh, there's two things that you talked about there that I really want to dive in on today. The first is this idea of making projects more predictable and making sure that they're managed well all the way through. And so much of that comes back to, you know, if you're a CEO and you're thinking about this, why it's so valuable to you, because that visibility into how much time, how much money, because you have to think about all the time your team spends on the projects, that's that's where your gross margin is being affected, right? If you can get more visibility into that early on in the project, and if you can get more consistent visibility into how that's changing as the project goes, everything we talk about from a forecasting perspective, from a planning perspective, you know, capacity management, utilization management, cash flow, all of that is built on top of the visibility that you have into what projects are going to look like. And that's a, such a critical part of what we're going to talk about here today with project management. But what I love that you inserted in there is that that does not have to come at the expense of the client experience. I think that's a common misconception is that the agency owners think, you know, anything that we do that is in our best interest for streamlining how we do work for clients is coming at the expense of their experience. But the opposite can actually be true. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can have efficient, profitable projects that are actually a better experience for your clients because that clarity is being shared on both sides. So anyway, I'm just getting excited. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, Ben. I apologize. <laughs> so let's first start by defining, you know, what is a risky project? What are the things that we should be looking out for to identify risk uh, when we have clients coming into our agency? Yeah, well, I, th I think you just touched on it just there. I think it's uncertainty mm. and lack of clarity. And I think this is so important. Like going back to that, our kind of our scenario, which fictitious scenario, but we all know it's true where, you know, we're hustling. It's the beginning of the year. We're trying to get projects in the door because we're not quite sure what we're going to be doing. Um, the agency hasn't got enough work. So we're just trying to just trying to win contracts, whatever it takes, whatever, whatever we have to do. And I think what we're trying to do is create clarity, just take things a little bit slower, create predictability and make sure the project is a good fit before we start. So does the does the client actually have enough budget for this? Is there is their timeline appropriate? Like, is this a good fit? Is this a good match? Because I think what so often happens is that we start projects because we want the cash flow, um, but we can't actually deliver it profitably. So I think getting clarity, first of all, on what the, the brief is, I think is super important. And I think oftentimes, you know, we can start a project without a really clear uh, goals, objectives, outcomes. And there's a bit of a lack of clarity there. And that's when disappointment sets in and people get upset and think they paid for the things that they didn't. So having a really clear brief upfront and ideally a statement of work, uh, a line itemed estimate, a, a timeline, these are all ingredients in our planning phase. So upfront, we're managing expectations that we've got clarity there, that we're trying to reduce the amount of uncertainty we have as much as we possibly can, so that everybody knows what's in and what's out. And we try making the gray areas black and white to reduce the uncertainty. So I think managing expectations um, and, and creating clarity where there's 
kind of gray areas is super important. And I think this is tricky, right? Because it takes time. We want to get started on the projects. We want to, we just want to get going. We, we're worried that if we dig into this too deeply, if we define things too much, then it might cause some difficult conversations. But what I think we want to do actually is have those difficult conversations up front. It's way better to have the difficult conversations at the beginning of the project rather than a month in when you realize that your expectations are not matched. So getting clarity right from the start is, is super important. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. So if you're in a situation where you've got projects coming into your agency and your focus now on, okay, let's decrease risk. What are some of the big levers that we should be looking to pull as owners or project managers to decrease that level of risk? Yeah. So as, as a PM, what I'm trying to do, and this is why I think project management is a strategic endeavor, because what I, what I'm trying to do all the time is, is de-risk to create certainty where there is uh, uncertainty. So there is, there's things that we can do and in in scrum we often talk about spikes which is where okay we just spend time box an amount of time to go and investigate a problem and try to work out if what the solution could be so it's worth doing little bits of investigation to try and create certainty where there is uncertainty but i think typically where this happens let's go back to our kind of technical integration that we're not quite sure if it's going to work or not and there's a lot of uncertainty around that let's just say we estimated two weeks development time for it but we're really not sure is that is that going to going to be enough time we don't know so we could try doing a spike to try and investigate it quickly and try and work out whether or not we can get some more uncertainty um, but then we have to decide, okay, is this still, could this actually be a six month project, a separate endeavor altogether? We need to decide what we're going to do about it. So one, I think actually great solution is that we avoid the risk altogether. And I think here is where PMs, we can come into this and say, okay, well, what's a simpler solution? How can we still deliver the same outcome or deliver the same value, but avoid this integration altogether? What's, what are our other options? And this is, this is creative problem solving. And I think sometimes we can get wrapped up in, oh, well, we said we were going to do this. So we should probably just do it. And we kind of just go in gung ho and we just hope for the best and hope it works. Where I think there's some other levers that we have, which is, well, let's see, how could we avoid this altogether? How can we make it more predictable? Can we use a different technology? Can we use a different approach? What if we insert a manual process in here just to de-risk it, just so that we avoid the risk altogether? So avoiding the risk uh, is what we want to do as much as possible so that we reduce the amount of uncertainty, create clarity, create certainty. And other things that other options we have um, is actually transferring the risk. So 
it might be that we just say, do you know what, as an agency, we're not best equipped to do this. We should really be giving this to someone else to do who's got more experience mm -hmm. doing this. So actually, if we transfer this, we can transfer this to another agency uh, who's got experience in doing this kind of integration. Actually, that's de-risking it for us. They're now taking the responsibility for delivering that component or that part. Um, so avoiding the risk is a good option. Transferring the risk is an option. But another thing we can do is mitigate the risk, and that's thinking about, okay, well, how do we reduce the impact uh, of this if this risk occurs? How can we reduce the likelihood of it happening and also the impact. So maybe we start thinking about what, okay, what's a plan B? What's a plan C? Uh, what are the, if this doesn't work within, you know, a week, what could we do in the second week of development time that we have that would still enable us to get to that same outcome or still enable us to deliver the same amount of value, but just, just gives us a kind of a backup plan. So obviously we can accept the risk, but avoiding the risk is preferable. Um, transferring the risk is also a good idea because it takes the burden off us um, and mitigating against the risk as much as possible throughout the project. This is something that we're doing all the time. It's we're looking at our high impact, high likelihood risks and we're thinking, okay, what are our options here? How can we de-risk this? How can we reduce the impact? How can we reduce the likelihood of it happening? And therefore that begins to de-risk the project. All right, so that, that, I'm calling that the ATM framework. Uh, we have avoid the risk, transfer the risk, mitigate the risk, go through the ATM checklist when you have a risk that you're not sure how to deal with. And I love that last piece. It's so critical. Just talk to the client about it because there might be a way to avoid it, a way to transfer it, a way to mitigate it that you haven't thought about. Or this feature might not be nearly as important to them as you thought it was. Or maybe there's just a really specific piece of that functionality that's important for a different reason. And so that conversation can open up doors that you didn't even know were there. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure that that's, you know, more often than not, that's how it works out. Um, so ATM, avoid, transfer, mitigate. I love that. Simple. It's clear. Um, like, how do you know when it's the time to start bringing in a, a PM? Like if you're an agency owner and you're the one managing the projects right now, maybe that's getting overwhelming. Or if you're the single PM in an agency, because I know a lot of these and you're kind of doing operations and PM and it's starting to get overwhelming. Like what are some of the signals that you look for to know it's time to start bringing in more project managers and scaling this? Yeah. So I think once, once a kind of studio or small agency probably hits about five people, probably it's time to between five and 10 people, it's definitely time to, to bring in a PM. Mm. Um, it, it's at that point that the, the team, the projects need more management than uh, the CEO can probably provide. And it's at that point as well where you can't quite be so fast and nimble as you used to be. Um, you need to begin planning out your projects a bit better um, because you, you're, not, you're beginning to actually have probably less commitment from the team than you had when you were a shop of five people. So at that five to 10 person kind of size is where I'd say start thinking about project management. Mm -hmm. And, and then yeah, when we're thinking about, okay, well, scaling that project management team, how do you know when your project management isn't working, or you need to increase the number of project managers? Well, I'd probably say it's at that point, where you are looking to grow again beyond 10 people. And we are, you're at that point where you know, that your project manager is not effectively doing the resourcing, they're not 
uh, creating estimates and timelines, uh, if they're not creating full statements of work, at that point where they're becoming ineffective or they're rushing things, you know it's probably time to begin adding to the team and looking, okay, do we need someone to part-time, half-time manage resourcing and who's going to be doing what when and part-time going to be managing the projects? Do we have a dedicated, maybe that's the same person actually who's working alongside new business because they can then do a bit of scoping, estimating, statements of work, timelines, and also figuring out when that project could be delivered because the resourcing component of new business is super important. There's no point really winning a project if you then turn around and say, hey, well, we can get started in four months time. Um, you probably will lose the project. So it then begins to become, as you're thinking about resourcing a new business, um, more synergistically, uh, thinking about, okay, well, what resources do we have? What projects can we do? Uh, it, it begins to kind of smooth things out a bit better. So look at the effectiveness of your estimates and statements of work and how you know that they're not working is if risks become issues, if, if projects are consistently going over budget, if timelines are, are consistently slipping, uh, if your profitability is going down, um, it's a difficult thing to decide to do, but hiring a project manager will help your profitability because they'll have an eye on the project, planning it properly in the first place, and then managing and controlling it effectively so that the project is actually something that can be delivered within the budget and the timeline. But also throughout that process, we make sure that scope creep doesn't happen. And, and when we're in a small team, scope, some scope creep, uh, which is really internal scope creep, gold plating, um, that kind of just gets accepted, I think, a lot of the time, just because, hey, you're trying to make an impression, you're new. But as we introduce project management and we get more clarity around, okay, what's in and what's out, that can help. We can help make those projects more profitable. So, yeah, think about, look at your effectiveness of profitability, uh, your effectiveness of delivering projects. And if those, if you know that there's holes in that, if it's creaking, uh, bring in project management for sure. Hmm. Do you have a sense of like a, a benchmark in terms of uh, percentage of payroll that should be allocated to uh, like something that we can look at on uh, on a report that would give us an idea of kind of where we sit on a spectrum for something like that? So, so um, 30% when there is no account management um, and maybe going down to 15% or 20% if there is account management in place. And again, the, the difference between that is to what extent the account managers are involved in scoping the projects and kind of what their roles and responsibilities are. But account and project management, I would expect to be 20 to 30% of a, of a budget. And so I would expect if you've got a team of um, 10, then I'd expect there to be at least two project managers within there because they're going to be helping yeah. with the scoping of the projects in the first place, estimating timelines, managing the team, managing the project and engaging with the clients uh, to proactively improve that delivery. So yeah, around around overall, then I'd, I'd expect it to be 20, 20 to 30% of your um, overall payroll. Okay, 20 to 3%. That's cool. That's in line with kind of my my thought process around this. My range is 10 to 30, but 
that's again, there's a lot of context, right? The 10% is like you have a super productized service that almost doesn't require yeah. any project management. Yeah. The 30% yeah. is your project is all your project manager is also doing account management. They're larger, more bespoke projects. They require more hands on, more touch to the client. So there's a, you know, there's a lot of context here. Is there like one critical mission that you think is central to the idea of project management? Like one thing that, you know, based on what your team structure is and based on, you know, who the project manager is and where the risk is kind of where they're gonna have to spend their time because it's going to come back to they need certain inputs in order to produce a plan and they need to be capturing changes and where those changes are occurring kind of determines where their attention needs to go so i think that's a really great filter is to think back to like okay the core thing that the project manager needs to be able to do is create and maintain the plan so what do you need to enable them to do a good job of that and that should help you figure out like what does that role look like in your agency? And it will be different <laughs> than probably yeah. most of your other peers. And that's okay. That's a normal thing for this role. It's that's what makes it such an interesting um, profession is that it, it's just like so dynamic and you get exposed to so many different things. And I think it's part of what makes it such a cool and exciting job and why there's such smart people doing it like yourself, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So with that, um, some final words of advice, what are some some big risks, some big mistakes that you're seeing a lot of project managers and agencies make that are exposing them unnecessarily to risk um, that we can take away uh, as we go back to our daily grind? I think probably the probably the biggest one, which is, I mean, this is not a new one, but quality assurance, I think is the, it's still the the biggest risk and the the risk really is not allowing a sufficient amount of time for quality assurance or treating quality assurance as something that happens at the end of the project rather than it being integrated into development as you go um when projects when the timeline slips typically it's because yes strategy ux was a bit longer, took a bit longer, then design takes a bit longer, then development takes a bit longer, all the development timeline gets squashed. And then QA kind of gets lumped on the end and it ends up being two days where you kind of check a few things. So if there's one risk to be thinking about, it would be quality assurance and thinking about it as an integrated part of your process throughout the project. Uh, so developing things in testable, shippable increments um, rather than waiting for it to be something that you do right at the end. So yeah, think about QA, work back from that deadline and allow double the amount of QA time that you think you'll need and, and you will definitely use it and the quality of your output will be much better. Yeah. And I think this ties nicely back to, I think the first thing that we talked about, which is like, in order to do QA, you need to understand what the definition of done is, what the specs are for this thing. So you can check those boxes or not. So um, it's a nice way to kind of bring that all full circle. And I can attest to having seen that many, many, many times before where it's like, this project is done. We're planning to put all of our resources on this other thing. And yet somehow we have to find a way to fix all the stuff that's still broken about that last project. And now where does that time go? Well, it's evenings, yeah. it's weekends, and it's no one's happy about that. So yeah. a good word of advice there. So for everyone that's listening, that wants to get access to all the incredible content that you're producing, the incredible community that you've created, where should they follow you on the internet? Yeah, so best place to start off is the digitalprojectmanager.com. Uh, on there, you'll find our podcast, you'll find our membership, our training. I think our next training course starts in February of this year. It's a seven week program where we take people through the entire project lifecycle. Uh, but yeah, our annual membership, 
um, is you can join any time. We have masterminds in that. We have our forum. Uh, we have workshops, uh, AMA sessions. Uh, coaching is available through there as well. So yeah, check it out, thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Awesome. So links in the show notes to a bunch of resources on thedigitalprojectmanager.com. And there'll also be some social links for Ben so you can follow him um, on the internet. And with that, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show, dropping some wisdom nuggets. And for those of you listening at home, leave us a comment wherever you're listening to this. Let us know what you learned. Let us know what questions you have. Share this with somebody who probably needs to hear it too. And with that, thank you, everyone. Thanks, Ben. Thanks you for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast, I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this, and it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
拜。